that leads me to the next stage, which is, you know, where we've already kind of hinted at it a little bit with the RV. We've already hinted at it like missionary. Let's just talk about that just a little okay. bit. When you say, you know, you're missionaries, describe what God has been doing with y'all the last, what is it? 12 to 24 months. Yeah, about two years now. Yeah. Um, it's funny. Somebody called us the other day and said, oh, you're Jesus gypsies. Like, <laughs> Okay, that's close. Riley's like, I want to make a T-shirt <laughs> out of that. Um, so going back to about two years ago, um, man, it may have been longer than that now. Yeah, we still lived in our home. Um, so it was a little bit longer than that. We were at Red Hills, um, you know, Sunday. And after every sermon, or mostly every sermon, Marshall will say, I want you to pray right now. You know, ask God, what do you want me to do with what I heard today? Mm. And that's one of Marshall's kind of taglines of just sit here and, and meditate on what God spoke to your heart today. Um, and in that moment, I was just praying that, and all of a sudden, just the words flashed in my my mind of just go. And I didn't know what that was. Like mm. it was just, I mean, it was as clear as clear can be. Just go. And I was like, okay. And, and you know, sometimes you see this, you hear these things in your heart. And you think, is that just my mind thinking that? Or is that you, God? Mm. And that was the exact question I asked in the moment. Was that me or is that you? And I don't know. We did a YouTube video on this. I don't know how you insert insert link here, click here in a podcast. But I could, I could probably put it in the, on the website. Um, but we had a, a kind of a YouTube video explaining this. So I'll give kind of the you know 30,000 foot view here. But um, I asked God, was that you or is that me? And all of a sudden, I just started to feel this pressing down on me, this really heavy weight. And I was like, okay, so not me, but you, that this is you saying go. And the weight was even stronger. I mean, very strong, like as if I was holding the weight of another man on my shoulders. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't going to ask a third time because I knew I would be on the ground. Um, and so I was like, okay, God, it's you. I get it. Go. We'll, we'll go. I don't know what that means, but we'll go. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we got in the car from church and I told her, I'm like, God just spoke to me. He's never done this before. And he said, go. And I explained it to her. And she's like, yeah, that's weird. And I mean, because this is nothing that had ever happened to us. She's like, but whatever, we'll pray about it. My wife and I, we pray every day together. We spend dedicated time together praying. And so this became one of our things. Like, God, what does go mean? We have no idea. As we tried to, you know, make a long story short, pieces together, it led to us selling our home. It led to us moving into an RV temporarily, what we thought, um, while God was going to position us wherever he wanted us to go. Uh, it turns out God wants us to go in an RV and talk to people about Jesus. And so this is, that's probably like a seven month or eight month drawn out process narrowed down into like 30 seconds. But right, yeah. uh, so we just stepped out in faith and said, we're going to go. Mm-hmm. We have no clue where to go, what you want us to do, but we're going to go and do this because you told us to. Um, and Marshall asked us to kind of, because at the time we were, you know, pretty heavily involved in the worship ministry at Red Hills and, and other ministries. Like Marshall wanted us to tell the church what we were doing. So, that, you know, it wasn't just like, oh, the McDonald's are gone. Right. Um, and so I was praying about what God wanted me to say. I was like, okay, God, you told me to go. And then immediately again, the same way, just that flash in my mind, it said, and open the eyes of the blind. Mm. And I just started weeping and I'm not a big weeper. So it was like, Okay, I turned. I was actually driving the car, praying about. You mentioned this. that you cried a lot on this podcast. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big. He's a weeper. I'm a big <laughs> he's crier. He's no, a weeper. Um, when God gets me, I cry, and I don't know why. But I get it. Um, so I drove home because I was driving away from from Riley at the time. I drove home and I opened the door, and she was standing right there in the kitchen. I just said, "And open the eyes of the blind." That's all I said. 
and it hit her and she started crying and both of us just hugged each other and started praying because we knew like God just confirmed in both of our hearts in that exact moment, like, this is what I've called you to. And it was a week before we were leaving. I mean, like we had done everything we needed to do up to that moment and there was no turning back. And that's when God finished the sentence for us. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we went, we went um, last year and went all around the country telling people about Jesus wherever we went. And Mm -hmm. it was started off very awkward um, Mm because, you know, it was funny. I I talked to somebody the other day um, and we'll come, you know, we'll get to here, but I disciple a lot of guys now and it's kind of what's come out of this first missionary leg. But um, one of them was, I was telling them about what it is to share your faith. And they're like, oh, that's weird. I thought well, if you're called to be a missionary, it would just be easy. Like it would be natural. And they just assume because like God put this calling on us that, you know, he just yeah. gave you that gift and it just naturally came out of your mouth. Wherever you went, you just spoke the gospel of Jesus. And I was like, oh no, like the fear is still very real. You still have to step out of faith. Every person you talk to it gets a little bit easier, but it's never easy. Um, and so I remember like right the week before we were going, I was like, well, I gotta, I gotta practice this God. Like I gotta figure out, I gotta figure out what I'm going to do. It's like right then I was praying that and right then the UPS truck pulls up and I'm like, Uh, here we go. (laughs) Right now. Okay, cool. so, So I walked out and I was like, Hey, let me talk to you for a second. And it just led to me telling him, and it wasn't like, let's get into what the gospel looks like. It was literally like we talked about earlier. I'm going to share my story. Mm. And I just said, this is what God's called me to do. And he's called me to go out and to tell people about Jesus. And so I got about, I don't know, a minute into just kind of telling him about that. And he's like, that's awesome, man. I'm a Christian. Mm. And I was like, cool. Now my UPS and I are like bonded on a different level. Funny story. We ended up having to come home early and he's like, oh, y'all can come live with me if you want. But God's people being God's people. Right. Awesome. Awesome offer on his part. Marty, if you listen, shout out to you. (laughs) Um, But, uh, you know, your UPS by name, that's a a deeper level. Uh, But so then that first trip we took, it was kind of the same way. Everybody was shared with, uh, was a Christian. And that was really interesting, and it was kind of like this encouragement, like, okay, I'm giving you the easy intro. Like, we're going into the shallow end of the pool here, Matt, so you can kind of get your your sea legs on here. Um, But then when we got on the out, like, when we left from there, it got real, real Mm -hmm. quick. I mean, like, it was, I would say 90% of who we encountered was incredibly secular. Mm -hmm. Um, Unexpectedly so. Like, you think your tour America, most people would be Christian, they would at least claim to be a Christian or somewhat asleep, but, and by asleep, I mean, they're not really walking out their faith. They're not following yeah. Christ. They're just kind of like, they grew up in church, but they right, don't really. Right, right, right. Cultural Christian. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, as we kind of walked that out last year, um, we encountered uh, a lot of opposition mm-hmm. spiritually. I wouldn't say from people. We did from some people. Uh, but spiritually, as we started to kind of get our legs going and really starting to share um, and take the name of Jesus, the attacks ramped up pretty pretty sufficiently to the point where Riley almost got arrested. Mm. Um, and that was an entirely spiritual moment where uh, I think it would be cool, since we're doing this in two, to maybe share that story because it's a really neat testimony of what God can do. Um, but... Let's just kind of round this out. So that's what God called us to do, just to go on the road and share. Uh, our RV ended up getting totaled in the process. Um, 
I'll say that first journey ended in our RV being totaled, our marriage being severely under attack and what felt like crippled mm. uh, and limping home. That's what the first missionary journey felt like. Yeah, I would say that's pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we got home and it was just like, I remember we reached out to Marshall, Riley and I were like, we need to sit with you because we're in dire straits right now. Um, our marriage is, it wasn't like it was four years ago where like you're in the brink of divorce, but it right. was, what I told Marshall is, I think we built the foundation here on sand, at least one pillar mm-hmm. of our marriage, and it got pinpointed by Satan and it collapsed. Um, and that was my fault. I'm the leader and I need to, you know, be looking out for this stuff. And Marshall zeroed in on it almost instantly and it was recovered very quickly. And so it was a huge blessing, but, um, you know, I think that's probably a good segue into one talking about what we're going to, like, we're getting ready to leave again, but also kind of what, what, being a missionary in America looks like. Yeah, so I was going to ask, like, when you turn, use the term missionary, I think most people who grow up, grow up in like an evangelical church probably already have that defined in their head. They're like, okay, I know what a pastor is, right? I know what a evangelist is. We know the fivefold ministry, right? But missionary, that's even more highly defined as someone who is sent out, but sent out of America, right? right? Overseas missions or... You know, like Chris and Lacey, they started in, they, well, they first went to China, then they came back, then they went to Mexico, then they're back, now they're going to go to Czech Republic. So it's this very, like, we're sending you outside of the border of our normal country to, to do the work of ministry, to spread the gospel to all the nations, right? When you use the word missionary, I think you use it in the same context, I'm not saying you don't, but you have a slightly different take on that, which is not common for most people, because you, in your mind a missionary, like basically you're missionaries to America. Right. Right. And at this point. (laughs) Yeah. Right. At this point, (laughs) at least these, these first couple of trips, like your mission, you, where did all like name the States that you, on that first leg, where did all of you guys go? Uh, let's see. We did Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, North Carolina, South Carolina, Alabama, uh, Mississippi, Arkansas, Kansas, so right then, just stop there. No wonder you met so many people who are Christians because the the Beltway, right? right. I mean, we're talking about. I've lived in a lot of those states, unfortunately. Like, yeah, everywhere you go, Christian, yep. there's context. But then you just say Kansas. Keep going. Yeah, Kansas, uh, Oklahoma, Colorado. Now we're getting Wyoming, Idaho, Washington. Uh, back to Wyoming, back to Idaho, South Dakota, Illinois. Um, Then Oklahoma again, I think, and Kansas. And then, but at that point, our rig is totaled and we're speeding home. Yeah. Um, so at that point, we only made one more stop before we were sleeping in Walmarts every night just to get home. And, um, you, and you were saying, like, when you would go to these different states, you'd go to like national state parks mm-hmm. or, or even, I guess, whatever, whatever campground you could go to. And your goal when you would go to these campsites, would be one, you had a job, you had to work, right? So yeah. you would work, but then you would also attempt to develop relationships with the people in the campsite to try to share the message of Jesus. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And like by work, I didn't work at the campsites. I have a right. job that it's one of the things that shows like God was moving this as he somehow made my job as a lawyer 
and a lobbyist 100% remote, which is not really something that happens. Yeah, so I would do my job, um, and basically every day I would just go around and start talking to people. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of that would be just kind of forming the relationship, the initial, just, hey, get to know you. Because some spots we were at for like two weeks, some spots we were at for like three days, some Mm -hmm. for a day, um, some for a week. It just kind of depended. And I'll tell you we got very well trained on hearing the Holy spirit on that mm. stuff because there would be times where like, you'd just be sitting with somebody talking and you'd feel the Holy spirit go just literally like now yeah. go. And it's like, okay, we're getting into it. No more small talk. Like, and we would just dive into Jesus at that point. Yeah. Um, and that, that just would happen at random moments. It would just, I want, I need to get a temperature gauge at where Jesus is in your mind or heart. Is he real? Is he not? What is he? Mm-hmm. And then I know how to approach you. Are you an asleep Christian? Are you an on fire Christian? Are you not a Christian? Are you a secularist? Are you act like agnostic? Yeah, but are, are you? you an atheist? Because that really would dictate how I talk with you. Right. Like if you're an atheist, it's a lot easier to talk to you about God than if you're just a secularist who's just kind of like. And by secular, I mean you're just good. Yeah. You're, you got everything you need in life. You don't need God. Your heart's just kind of turned really hard to that. And, um, you know, when Chris and Lacey talk about the check, that's how they talk about the people there, that they're just mm-hmm. kind of, they don't need God. They don't Everything. want God. Yeah, yeah, it's just, and meeting people like that was very difficult um, because there was just no, the... The gauge, like the temperature gauge, never moved. The needle never moved. Yeah. And, you know, you, you learn to just say, okay, this is the Holy Spirit. I just need to deliver. So let's get back to your question, I guess. I've, I'm, well, I was going to ask, like, how many of those people that you talked to over the course of how, how long when were you I going? think we were on eight or nine months. Like, those lists were rounded up to nine. How many people that you, did you run into that had never in their life heard the name Jesus? None. None. Yeah. So I think that's why a lot of people in America, they'd be like missionaries in America. Like, like Yeah, but I don't think you're going to get the many places in the world where people haven't heard the that's name right. Jesus. That's like, right. You're, you're going to have to get into the deep recesses of, I mean, Chris and Lacey may get in that in check, but even then they've heard the name. Right. So there's there's that wall you don't have to necessarily get over. Um, but what I, what I was getting at is like, especially in America when... You know, the church itself has done a, I would say, a, a fairly decent job. We're everywhere, right? There's mm-hmm. millions of churches in, in, the, in America. The issues that you're having to overcome uniquely as a person who's out there trying to um, do missions work in America is the cultural, the, the, the overlaying of, yeah, this pastor has fallen because of this thing. The the abuse that we hear in the church. It's overcoming, yes, Jesus, you maybe you would have to overcome like does Jesus even exist? But you're also having to get over not just that, but also all the negative yeah. that that people see, you know, the church do, not all the positive. So when, talk about that just a little bit when it comes to like when you when you think of yourself as a missionary to America, right now at least. Right. Um like in your heart, like do you, how do you think that compares to say going overseas or something like that? Well, I think it's there's kind of twofold here. One is um, people know the name of Jesus, but they still don't believe in God, right. and that's a weird hurdle to get with people because Jesus ends up becoming a guru, mm-hmm. 
And so then you kind of get into that's great for you. That's not good for me. And that I would almost put them into the, the apathetic mm-hmm. secular column and they don't actually believe in a God or the God they believe in is nature or something else. Right, right. I like your, so, I like your, where is it? I, I like your Jesus, but I don't like your Christian kind of a thing. Sure. Yeah. Um, and the second question is kind of like, how do I get over the hurdle of maybe past hurts or, you know, been burned by the church or preachers fallen and just kind of the cultural issue that we have in America right now and specifically the, the culture within the church. Uh, I had one guy in North Carolina and that was, he's on my mind all the time. Um, he was one of the ones, one of the few ones where he got like the gospel just direct right mm-hmm. on him. And that was one of the moments where like we'd kind of hunt out for a day or two and he was a nice enough guy and stuff. And we'd been friendly and like the Holy Spirit's like, get now. I want the gospel in this guy's lap. And so like, we, I was just sitting with him outside of his RV and I just went into it. And he was like, yeah, my uncle's a, a big Christian. Um, and he's like, but I just, I can't stand the church. I yeah. won't go to church. I think they're all, cause he thought I was a pastor and I'm like, well, I'm not a pastor. And that actually was like, okay, well, I'll listen to you. Right, right, if right. I had said I was a pastor, he would have been like, get out of my RV. Mm. Um, because he, he just thinks that they're all in it as money launderers. That was his, like, they're just here to make a buck off people. And I could never get past it with him. Yeah. And I, you know, to the point where I just said, like, hey, my only job with you is to tell you that Jesus is real and that there is a real heaven and a real earth and a real hell. Mm. And there is something that's going to happen when you die and judgment will occur. And Jesus Christ came to pay that and just lay the gospel out very simply to him. And he's like, yeah, I understand all that. And so cracking through that mental barrier has, was one of the things that we found to be next to impossible on the road of people. They know the gospel message and because they know the idea that Jesus came to die for their sins he rose to new life, and if you believe in him, you can be forgiven of your sins, and that's totality of their understanding. They think they understand the Bible, right. and they don't understand how the whole Old Testament is a picture of Jesus. And they can't, you know, and you can't, as a someone who chews on meat, you can't explain these things to somebody who can't even digest milk, yeah, right? Sure. And but you want to because you want them to see it. But at that point, you just Holy Spirit, you got to do it. Yeah. And you just rely on the Holy Spirit to break through, and He will or He won't in that moment. But yeah. they go on our prayer list, mm. and they go in our contacts of people that we text and stuff like this. And um, so there is some attempt because if you've never been like camping, like you're just like that's not my thing. Like you go to a campsite, people are in and out. Like you said, sometimes a day they're just in there mm-hmm. overnight. Sometimes they're in there for three days. Sometimes they're a week. There's some, some maybe retirees are there for for like yeah, long stints. They, they take the month or two month long package. Yeah, but for the most time, you're only getting one, maybe two shots. At it's some very point. quick. And yeah. then trying to develop a relationship. So it sounds like what you're attempting to do as well is keep up a relationship on some level after you've left them. Right. And so like, I think one of the biggest things that I've found over the last year of what does it look like to be, you know, a quote unquote missionary in America um, is that, you know, I think I said it earlier, maybe it was in our pre-conversation is I haven't changed since I've been back. And really what it looks like to be a missionary in America is to just start talking to people about Jesus. Yeah. 
and you do this at home. You do. God just happened to say, go in an RV and do it. Right, right, right. Um, but what it really looks like, if I could boil it down to what it is, is it's understanding how to be a disciple maker. Yeah. And that's what being a missionary is. And I think, you know, in the evangelical church, especially in America, you know, and especially if you grew up in the church and you went on missions trips as part of your youth stuff, you think being a missionary means you go and beat the pavement and share the gospel on the streets. Yeah. Well, that is part of it. I did do some of that, sure. right? I mean, but the reality of what being a missionary is, is you go and preach the good news, and those who receive it, you walk through them with them in their sanctification process, and you show them what it means to pursue God. You show them how to pursue God. You show them what it means to handle the truths of God and Mm -hmm. to read your Bible and to understand true doctrine versus false doctrine, right? Because we don't live in a bubble. We live in a very real—this isn't a game. There's spiritual things happening around us that we have to be equipped, right? 1 Timothy 4 basically says, in these latter days, they will come preaching doctrines of demons, and you will be taught by deceiving spirits— and so part of what we need to do as as Christians and as missionaries, quote-unquote, is equip the people around us with so much of the truth, and they know how to handle the truth and start self-feeding and walking deeper into that river with Jesus. Ezekiel 47 talks about that. When these false doctrines come up against them, they know they're false, yeah. and they can start beating back these cultural misappropriations of what Christianity is and walk in the truth of what Christ has called us to. And once you get them to that point and you walk them to that point, you now have your own guy. Like, right, I've got this guy. Let's give him, you know, a name. His name's Matt. And I've been discipling him. And now Matt has gone from being ankle deep and knee deep in the river. Now he's waist deep. And he's at that reproductive point. Now he's gotten to a point to where he reads the Bible so much that it's like Jeremiah says, this is a fire in my bones. I cannot contain it. It has to be like, I can't withhold this truth anymore. And he starts reproducing that. There's a guy I got right now who I love dearly, and um, I've been discipling him for about a year through this process. You know, Mm -hmm. met him on the road. He's in Mississippi, and um, he's been very slow and... Uh, I got to visit with him a couple of weeks ago, and he was telling me about something that happened in his life, and it was a very, very traumatic hurt. I mean, awful, awful thing. Mm. And he's very angry at the the two people that caused it. And if I'm honest, rightfully so, he's angry at them. Yeah, right. But he refuses to address that anger and refuses to forgive them, and he says as much. Yeah. Um, and so at that point, okay, my missionary work with him is to disciple him through this. You can't stay here. Yeah. We've got to go deeper in this river. And if you choose to stay here, you're you're not going to actually grow in your walk with God. And now it's your choice. I'm, I'm going to present it to you. Walk out of it. And so we're in the process of walking through that. And he actually, you know, I texted him yesterday because this is how I have to keep up with all these people is just mm-hmm. texting and, and calling them because I don't get to see them face to face. And he said... I I now go to church more than just for the Sunday school. I used mm. to skip big church and big church. You know, right. you're in the South. Yeah, right, big right, church. Right. That's right, big church. Um, That's right. But now I go to big church and I don't want to miss it. And now I'm starting a Wednesday night Bible study. That's this awesome. guy's knee deep, right? Yeah, I'm getting yeah, yeah, excited. He's, he's gone from yeah. ankles. He's in the knees. And once he, and he's, and now he's, a, he's battling through this forgiveness and this anger issue. He doesn't understand why he is yet. He's not, he hasn't, 
you know, as we talked about, he hasn't had his Jericho moment, yeah. um, but he's starting that fight. Yeah. And when he gets done, and as he keeps walking, he's going to be waist deep, and now he's going to start reproducing. And so he's going to start his own, quote-unquote, missionary thing. And so, like, I think being a missionary in America looks like being a disciple maker. It's Matthew 28. It's not just go out on a one-week trip and talk to somebody about Jesus. It's you go and talk to them, you gauge where they're at, and then you meet them where they're at. If they're unsaved, you present the gospel, and you keep presenting the gospel. You know, yeah, as sure. long as they let you in their life, you keep bringing that conversation back to Jesus somehow. I think that's so, like, so which basically what you're saying is we're all missionaries. Exactly. Right? Yes. Right. So, like, this idea that, like, America can't be, doesn't, I mean, I've heard stories, and I want to say I heard this recently, and if this is wrong, I apologize, but I've heard recently that there are people from Eastern Europe being sent to America as missionaries. Yeah. And like, other people of the world think America. Like, I, that kind of blew my mind when I thought about it. Like, wait a minute, we send missionaries. I know we send some missionaries here. Right. But they see, what they see of America, they're like, well, you got all these issues, societal, you got all this infighting, you got all this racism, you got all these, all these, whatever they see over there. So we need to send missionaries there. So what is wrong? What is wrong with the mindset? They're not wrong, but what is, why don't we have the mindset that we are missionaries in our own towns, in our own cities, in our own, um, neighborhoods, right? Our own offices, our own churches necessarily to that point. Like we're missionaries. You're a missionary, but you're, you, God has called you to go do this thing with an RV and you've got that plan. Yeah. Um, God has called whoever's listening to this podcast. He's called you to a specific family, to a specific area town, mm-hmm. to neighbors who need to hear the message of Jesus just as much as anybody else. And they may, you may talk to your neighbor and they're like, Oh, like you said, you, you, Identify them as a as a solid, strong, good Christian, like somebody who's going to church or or has a good relationship with Jesus. But your next the guy across the street may not be right. My next door neighbor to my right, um, he, he calls himself he's a Catholic, but he has no desire, doesn't go to mass, doesn't have any relationship with Jesus. And I'm always talking with him. And he he asked me. I remember during the last election, he said, "Hey man, as a Christian, I want to ask you." Like how are you? How do you deal with this? And we had like a thirty-minute conversation. Mm-hmm. It's stuff like that. Like I'm not saying I'm discipling him, but like it's no. You're speaking into his yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. When you live your life out there and you put your faith out on your on on the on your sleeves, kind of a thing, and you don't try to hide it, these opportunities will arise. Yeah, for us to share Jesus. I think there's something that's crept into the American church um, that. Is interesting, and I see a lot of people battling against it now, which makes me really excited. But it's the idea that, like, the church just does things for you. The yeah. pastor does your sanctification for you and your Bible study for you. That's so right. you show up on Sunday and you get your Bible study for the That's week. Right. Yep. You don't have to work on it. The, you know, education pastor deals with the Sunday school and all that and, right. and teaches, you teaches your children. Right. And so you don't have to raise your children in the ways of the Lord. You don't have to bring them up in the ways of the Lord and bathe them in the Word that's going to happen at Sunday school, yep. right? Or youth group. Uh, you don't have to go and share your testimony with people because there's missionaries that your church supports to do that. The reality is none of that should be happening. The pastor takes you much deeper than you're capable of going because he's gifted in that. Right. You know? We're called to do that. Right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, but that should just be an interesting supplement to what you're doing Monday through Sunday. Like yep. you, One of the things I do in the guys at Disciple is like every Sunday – is one of the main days I check in on all of them and say, are you reading your Bible today? 
because you need to get in the habit that Sunday isn't your off day. That somebody else has done it for you today. Like you still, yeah, yeah. you just get double dose of Jesus that's today. Right. It's great. That's good. Um, so yeah, I think that's we're great. all missionaries. I just, there is a unique thing that I know God has put on my and Riley's heart right now. Yeah. And part of that is to be in an RV and go. And um, it, I don't really understand it. I really don't. I just, um, I'm just being obedient. And in that, like last year, I will tell you guys this. You may feel there's this new word floating around, and I guess I'll use it here because it's hip and I'm, I'm super hip. No, not if you knew me. I'm, I'm not at all. It's called imposter syndrome, right, where you yeah. feel like you are being an imposter because you don't really know what you're doing. Look, none of us really know what we're doing. Unless you're an absolute expert in the field, yeah. you, you just go and do it. That's how you become an expert. So there really is no such thing as imposter syndrome. You're just working your way through it one day at a time, do one thing. It's like, are you a missionary today? Maybe you'll feel like you're an imposter if you go out and just tell your neighbor you go to church. You just yeah. did the first step. Now you're actually accountable to live that out in front of your neighbor. And yeah. to start having that conversation, like the conversations, like if you take that step of faith, I promise you, God will meet it and start all of a sudden things will start coming into your wheelhouse. Yeah. But if you don't like God's not like to who much is given or right. much is trusted, right? That's much right. is given and to who little is tr- given, whatever. Y'all know what I'm saying. <laughs> but if you don't take that step of faith, God's not going to bring the opportunity to you. Right. And you take that step of faith and an opportunity shows up and then you take the next step of faith and another opportunity. Like, you know, one of the things I, I tell the people I disciple is once you get into it with God on an issue, like for me, I told you earlier, like I, I know I'm, I'm, me and God need to battle some anger in my heart. Mm-hmm. You want to know how frustrated I've been the last two weeks? Yeah. More than ever. For sure. Um, and you know how much, like how many Bible passages start talking about that or I'll listen to a sermon and the guy's like bringing that up. Uh, Marshall said it on Sunday, something about anger. I'm like, okay, I get it. Like, quick, get it. I'm working on it. Once Thanks. you make that dedication with God, He's going to be all in it. Yeah. And He's going to be right there with you, walking through the process with you. He's going to be walking through that conversation that you're having with a person. And it feels terribly awkward. And there's, um, so one of the guys that I met out in Wyoming, he in, lives in Colorado. Um, let me share a really cool story here since we're doing two parts. Are we getting crazy long Maybe here? Maybe a third part. No, oh, goodness, ahead. no. You can edit this out then if it's <laughs> if it doesn't fit. But we were ministering to a group of people, so I thought we were going to try a group of like 15 families. And it's this thing in RV life called full-time families, and it's people who actually live in their RVs yep. full-time. Oh. Um, and we went to what's – it's a rally they do. And we went there, and I was so excited because I thought – like-minded people, you know, these are homeschooling families, these are RVing families, these are clearly going to be Christians, this will be cool, like, mm-hmm. to actually get the fellow, because it's very dry on the road, I'll tell you that. It is very sad and, and hard, you're alone, Yeah. there's no fellowship, um, and so I was really excited, like, oh man, there'll probably be some other Christians here. No, there was one other Christian family out of, I think there was 15 or 20, the rest were incredibly secular, um, and very much closed off to me presenting anything about God. Like I would mention his name and the conversation would be shut down instantly. Mm. Uh, long story short, something happens at this, that these people say that Riley abused a teenage girl, like physically, like uh, hit her or something. And if you know my wife, she is the most tender, non-confrontational person. And like, so immediately I'm like, what, 
what is happening? I get called right. Like, I need to come because the cops are being called and they're going to take me to jail. It turns out being entirely spiritual warfare. Like, it was 100% demonic activity in this family. And um, Riley and I sat down that night. The cops were called. Charges were pressed. It was a very insane thing. And it was going to be like jail time. Like, they were saying battery of a minor, and they were adding because this girl was a lesbian, which we didn't know. They were uh. putting on it as a hate crime. And so, like, my poor little, like, wife who would uh, never do anything. Yeah. And she's from California. Like, that's right. <laughs> the idea of like somebody being gay is not really even registered yeah, with us. We funny, don't, right. it's, we don't care. Um, and so it was just, it was all odd. Um, but we went back to our RV that night and Riley is just trembling in fear. I mean, oh, she's sure. literally shaking. I had to actually walk her through the interview with the cop. Like it was very traumatic for her. And she's like, I don't know what to do. I'm like, well, we're going to pray. This is clearly spiritual warfare. So we did. We prayed that night. We, claim the power of Jesus Christ. And we went to sleep and Riley was like, do you think they're going to burn our RV down? And I'm like, what? No, now I do. But right. <laughs> like, I no. thought about that. before <laughs> that, I didn't think that. And so I wake up in the morning and God had brought me, you know, to a Bible study about our name being more valuable than rubies. And the commentary I read alongside, I was like, well, your name is the name of Christ. You need to treasure it and take care of it. And you need to guard it for people around you. And so it's just in that teaching, the Holy Spirit was like, look, your name today is Jesus, mm. and you need to guard it, and you need to do what Jesus would do. And Jesus is a friend of sinners, and he loves sinners. And so when Riley woke up, I told her, this is what God told me we're doing today. So this is our charge. We need to find out how we're going to love these people who tried to persecute you mm-hmm. and tried to put you in jail, and we need to find a way to demonstrate that to every single person that's in this campground. And that day, I walked out to, like, there was a central meeting area, Cause like everybody was like hiding in their RVs. They were all yeah. scared the next day. Like everybody. I'm sure. And so I go out there, it's kind of being like olive branch, waving the white flag, like everybody, it's okay to come out. And so one person comes out and as they're walking up to me, um, she says, well, how are you guys? Michael Riley's shaking up, but we're okay. God's in control. And she's like, well, we were so scared that we were going to burn our RV down last night. And I was like, What? And this is one of the like secular humanists. That's how she defined herself to me when I tried to present the gospel to her. She said that, and I was like, that's crazy. Riley had the same thought. And Riley said that somebody was walking up behind heard that said, we were so scared in our RV that they were going to burn our RV down. And just so everybody knows, to kind of give context, this isn't something that happens in the RV <laughs> world. Like, like you don't like, like this isn't like <laughs> oh, people just get mad and burn each other's RVs yeah. down. No, this is very weird. Like the Holy Spirit was very much doing something that night, making people aware of, I think, demonic activity going on. And I said, that's insane. Now, I kid you not, this secular humanist turned to me and said, maybe that's the Holy Spirit you were telling me about yesterday. And I was like, in my mind, I just went, even even, uh, atheists or secular humanists cannot deny the power of God when it's happening right in front of them. They just can't. When, when heaven meets earth, everybody understands it. And I said, absolutely. I bet it was. And the rest of that day, people kept asking me what we were going to do about it. And because of that event that Satan meant for evil, I shared the gospel with every single family. And one of them, there was one who I didn't get to share with because they didn't meet with us that day, and then they left. And we stayed in touch with them because they ended up coming back and having a dinner with us like a week or two later um, at a different campground. Um, and we stayed in contact with them. 
Well, they came back to Tallahassee and asked to stay a night with us just mm-hmm. on their way to going down to Orlando where they were going to winter. Um, and I said, absolutely. And I told her, I'm like, I'm sharing the gospel with this guy because he's the only one I didn't get to share the gospel with. And um, I was terrified. There's a point before you get there. She didn't get arrested. No, okay. she did not. <laughs> she did not, but we did call Red Hills, and you guys were so amazing because the whole prayer team came around that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Marshall was kind of, you know, giving us great wisdom and it's a very scary moment, you know, but we were ready for Riley to go to jail. Um, and, but no, God walked, walked us right through that. Um, and they ended up being like kicked out of full-time families. Mm -hmm. Um, and that ended up taking months to, to work Work itself out, out, but, um, God was very faithful in that. Anyhow, this is all coming back to, you know, the difficulty in sharing with people and how it's scary sometimes. Um, I was terrified to scare the gospel with this guy that came to stay with us in Tallahassee. I don't know why. He showed up that night, and I was just overcome with fear to just push through that and share the gospel with him. And I told Riley that night, I said, I don't know what it is. I'm just scared to share it with him. And, you know, those of you that may not know, like, this is called the fear of man. It's just what it is. You're afraid of looking bad in front of somebody else or looking like an idiot or something. You're just afraid of him. And, you know, you need to not have the fear of man. You need to have the fear of God. And so I told her, like, I need to confess this to God with you tonight in our prayer, and we need to just get before him on this. And so we did. And I said, God, I'm just scared. You know I'm scared. I don't know why I am, but I am. But I'm going to be obedient to you and sharing the gospel with this guy. Will you just soften his heart, please? That's all we prayed. Hmm. And so the next day, I get done with my work, and the— Riley and his wife and him are kind of having lunch um, outside, and I go out to join them. And um, I'm sitting there talking, and I can feel the Holy Spirit's like, are you ready? Absolutely, I'm ready, Holy Spirit. And the girls get up. Riley's teaching her how to make bread, and they get up to go check on the bread, and the Holy Spirit said, now. So I turn to him, and right as I get ready to open my mouth, he literally says, tell me about this fellowship and faith thing you talk about. And I'm like, get out of here, God. This Stop is a it. joke, right? And so he literally opened it up, and I just started sharing my testimony. I didn't even get into the gospel message. I just shared my testimony with him about why we went on the road, why we met him out in Wyoming, and what I'm doing is sharing the gospel with people and talking to people about Jesus. And he's like, I want that. I actually mm-hmm. grew up in church, and I've only been to church twice since I've been married. He's been married for 18 years. Wow. And so the wives come back, and I can tell he doesn't want his wife to know we're having this conversation. So I just, I, you know, respect that and stop talking about it. Well, we move on to later in the day. I'm working on a project, and he comes up. He's like, can I help you? And I was kind of in a phase where he couldn't. It was, but I was like, well, you just stay here. It's always good to have company. And he's like, sure. And he immediately dove right back in. He's like, he wanted it. And, like, not only did God soften his heart, like, this guy was hungry for it. Mm. Um and all I had to do was be obedient. And so that's kind of my encouragement. Like, it may not always be that way. That's the only time right. in my life that has ever happened. But yeah. my, my encouragement is that if you even admit to God you're scared, he's going to be with you in that. This guy is now a guy, a disciple. He is probably one of my, like, most ardent disciples as far as, like, he is in the Word daily. He's in the commentary daily. Awesome. He's starting to lead his children. Like, I asked him, I actually texted him last night. I'm like, hey, where are you at? He's like, oh, tomorrow I'm taking the whole family to go see the ARC exhibit. Oh, up in... Uh, up the, in Kentucky. Kentucky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say... And so, like, 
uh, and his kids came to church. His kids came to Red Hills. He came uh-huh. to Red Hills. So like, well, they came to stay for uh, a day. They stayed for a week, and then they came back for a second round. That's amazing. Because he wanted names, it. Colin and Anna. Um, Anna didn't come, okay. but Colin came, yeah. and he brought his oldest daughter. Um, okay. And um, she actually asks them, you know, I want to go back to Sunday church or Sunday. It wasn't Sunday school, but she calls it something cute like that yeah, with yeah, Levi. Yeah. And, um, and so, and, you know, you work your way into these people's hearts and they're in our hearts. And yeah. uh, we have a whole Facebook group of atheists and Mormons That's great. that we witnessed to on the road and that became a part of our life and they get prayed for every night and God's not done with them. And, yeah. you know, what's it look like to be a missionary in America? You just start talking to people about Jesus. You start praying for them. Uh, you start being involved in their life and it'll be slow going. You know, I don't know if I'll ever get a chance to see those Mormons come out of that lifestyle, but I know God called me to speak to them. I did. Um, we have ongoing relationships. They came and stayed with us for three weeks. That's amazing. Um, we're eager to see them again. And if they're Mormon, they'll probably be back because of the <laughs> temple they're building here. So. Yeah. Well, they're Utah Mormons, so uh, they may not. I think they're the motherland. But, but, yeah, that's right. <laughs> but uh, potatoes. that's what it looks like, man. Just you just walk out in obedience and share the gospel. And I don't know if God's going to call us overseas. I don't know if He's going to. Uh, I will tell you this. I'm not called to be a pastor. I, sh- I just know it. I know it in the heart of me. But I can't stop sharing what God has done in my heart with people. Mm. Because once you taste and see the goodness of God, that's all you want everybody to see. And I don't operate on an earthly economy anymore. Like I operate on a heavenly economy where things on this earth have just grown so dim. And they just don't matter politics doesn't matter. My job doesn't matter. My career doesn't matter. Like my career is tent making. It just pays for me to be able to go tell people about Jesus. It's all I care about it. And eventually one day God may step me out of that and into some form of full-time ministry. I have no idea. Uh, But all I do know is I have to talk to people about what he's done in my heart because I want him to do it in theirs. Because once you step out of that and you walk in that newness of life, yeah. you truly grasp what Jesus meant when he said, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden for my burden is light and my, or my burden is easy and my yoke is light. Like he will take that off of you mm-hmm. and he wants you to walk away from that stuff and to walk with him. And Satan is such a deceiver. And if you can just, and when you do be a part of taking the scales or the veil off of people's eyes and watching them finally wake up and you'll see them, trip over the treasure in the field. I don't feel like anybody finds it. Like I feel like everybody trips over that treasure in the field mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, I get it now. Yeah. You know, like oh, yeah. and and they just they're like, yes, I'll give everything up for that. And, you know, I remember when Marshall, it was probably two and a half years ago, if not more, he preached about how that was his favorite Bible verse. And I can remember going to him and just in my area, poor Marshall, he's so patient with all of us. But <laughs> Going and being like, do you think that was us, you know, that that passage is us, you know, finding the treasure of Jesus? Or do you think that's Jesus finding us the treasure and he sold everything for us? And Marshall's like, yeah, it could be both, I guess. But no, I, I it could be both. But I can tell you as somebody who now realizes, like, I'm selling it all for it because yeah, I know tre- what the treasure yeah. is. The treasure is Jesus. Right. Yeah, yeah, the treasure is walking in that newness of life and understanding, like, 
nothing else matters. So I think at that, that's a yeah, good place. To we're, stop. we're winding it down. No, I think that's a good place to stop. I mean, I think that encompasses a lot of what you've been talking about and most certainly puts a feather in the cap of, of what we've been trying to get across, which is look in your place, in your life, wherever you are, there's something greater than just your daily routine. Absolutely. Right? Like, like the trap that you mentioned earlier, like the trap of expecting other people to do for you, what God has called us all to do. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's the biggest thing that I, I, um, I met a guy, this is years ago and he was a missionary to Portugal. And he wrote a, like an ebook about what it meant to be a missionary. But his whole thing was every Christian should be a missionary overseas. Like he was, he was like, he was like adamant that every Christian should be a mission missionary overseas. And I was like, I don't know about that one. But uh, he, I could tell it sounded just like you. Sounded just like when I talked to Chris and Lacey. There's this burning desire that you just wherever you go, you just can't stop talking about the goodness of Jesus and what they've done. And so, I mean, I think that's a testament to a two-hour podcast episode, right? <laughs> um, no, I mean, it's like there's sometimes we have to draw out conversation, we have to draw out stories, or, or con- people be able to put context on their yeah. their life. I haven't had to do that with you, and that's yeah, that's probably personality. That's you know, yeah, sure, you're a lawyer, so talking is probably not something that you're afraid of, but it's also a testament to what God has done in your life yeah. and how far he's, that it's, it's, it's spilling over. Like the, the analogy I use with my kids all the time, we're talking about their emotions and their feelings. It's like the reason why you're always upset sometimes is because you're, you're full. Your yeah. water cup is full. And if you get just a little bit thrown in there, you're, you're spilling over. That's why you're angry. That's why you're crying, whatever it is. The goal is to try to keep that water cup down. Well, for you, non-emotional, just like what Jesus done in your life, your, your cup is full yeah. and you're just spilling over and you're just wanting to go out there and tell Jesus, yep. tell people about that. And I think that's, that's, that's what makes you a missionary, which I think, you know, pastor missionary, obviously they have different goals in mind, like, like ways they go about it, right. but the goal is the same, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. You may not be a pastor. Maybe you're not feeling called to do a pastor in the, in the typical sense of the word, but you, you, you've said it multiple times. I'm discipling these guys. Well, in a way, you're just, you're pastoring those guys. Like, right. That's it's shepherding a them along. Yeah. Them. It's a, it's a term we kind of again we put these categories and these people um, in very specific things. We're like, well, it can't be anything other than this. Well, that's not really how things work, right? Right. So I'm in, I'm incredibly encouraged by your story, man. I've enjoyed just sitting here listening here. No, man. Thanks talk. for having me. It's you know I am long winded, but it's just because <laughs> it's, okay. it's no. hard to boil down. It's like four years of tremendous like God doing so much and you just uh, I don't want to put a cap on what God's done like I could probably make this go for like six hours no I would (laughs) I would encourage you like I know a lot of people do this with the full-time RVing life I'd encourage you you and you and um uh Riley to to maybe start your own podcast something that where where you can get some of these stories out and start talking about the road start talking about the relationships or just doing something to help like you know put into context because if you start thinking about these different stories a new one's going to pop up and it's going to pop up if you hadn't you forgot about them um and i think it's great to, for the church to be able to hear what is it what are the what is this what are those it's yes the mountaintop experiences are great and we all want to hear those things but man I, I love the 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 dusty road conversation right right just like the 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 we are the meat and potatoes of of society like you sitting down and just getting somebody's story and sharing them with jesus and seeing how that happened I, people love to hear that kind of stuff so i'd encourage you like lean into that as well so yeah. well and, we may we may have a, a youtube channel where yeah that's very popular. we kind of have that like 
segment of it where there'll be just me talking about yeah. this stuff with people. That'd and, be great. But well, anyways, thank you, Matt. Yeah, thank you for having it, me. And Super uh, by you. we're we're gonna miss everybody while we're gone. But uh, you leave in a week. Yeah. Well. Not good luck, but be blessed, right? <laughs> that's, the, that, that's the that's, that's the that's the word. Yeah, that's right. But no, be blessed. Seriously, like may God be with you, right? You. On your on your road, and and may the Holy Spirit guide you and lead you and, and guide your words and your heart. It, you know, obviously you've developed a, a sense of a sensitivity to Him, but may that even be stronger. Oh on yeah, this current trip, and obviously safety, all the things that come along with that. Well, so. we, we thank you for that, and and Red Hills, if you're listening, uh, we just covet your prayers because. We need them out there. Like I said, it, it can be very dry. Um, you know, not every church is Red Hills. And right. so when you go to churches across the country, um, you know, you don't always walk away feeling like you've been refilled. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you know, your prayer really helps lift us up. And so we, we appreciate that and, and ask you just to cover us in them. Mm-hmm.